0: Well good morning. Uh, Matt uh, decided that Disney World was not a good place to prepare a sermon and so so here I am this morning and uh, it's my privilege to be able to be with you and and to share God's word. Um, I I just love the worship and the the preparation of our hearts for God's word this morning. I'm Chuck Davis and uh, I'm from main campus, but I basically serve all three campuses as the senior adult pastor. And I know there's no senior adults in this room. Uh, I have no senior adult who admits to that fact. And uh, I don't think I ever will um, until they're in hospice and that then they're senior adults. Right? That's when they declare it. Um, but today I, I wanted to share with you just a, a passage of scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Um, you're going to see on the board here, I think, behind me in, in just a moment there. It says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The The hard part of that particular verse for most people is the all circumstances. And um, I hope to help you this morning kind of bear into that a little bit and find some footing along with the help of a couple other friends um, from the word of God. Let's begin with prayer, shall we? Father, take your word this morning, enlighten our hearts, uh, help us to enter fully into the purposes that you have by your spirit this morning, encourage our hearts, allow us to stand firm on the foundation of who you are. For it's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A survey was taken and I, it kind of uh, didn't surprise me at all. that said the five things that people sit around the Thanksgiving table and, and mention as the things they're thankful for usually fall into five categories. It's either uh, a spouse or family, a home, job, or your health. Um, some people even add, you know, a little addendum to that and may say church. And uh, we are certainly thankful for this church and for its ministry here in Dripping Springs. Um, of those five things, you know, we, when we sit around the table, that's, it's kind of like it's the circle we roll in. When I have my festival of praise banquet for my senior adults, uh, which we did last week, um, that, that's what I hear around the table is one of those five things. And yet... This particular season, God's kind of impressed on me that there's, there's something a little deeper that I need to run to. Not that those things are not great. Those are, are the rich blessings of my life. It's kind of like the other day, my uh, fireman's son, Ben, uh, prepared this wonderful chocolate ganache, raspberry, espresso. I don't know what it was. All I know is that it melted in my mouth, and it was just like the, the capstone to this incredible meal that we all sat around, and I wish I had saved much more room for it. <laughs> okay. But it's, it's the added blessings, but underneath is, is the, the basic elements that just give breadth and depth and, and solidity to the, to the whole idea of where thanks is given and why thanks is given and especially in the tough things and the hard times. I want to take you back to this particular passage of scripture in the Old Testament and a book that you probably don't hear preached too often um, because it's it's not one of those books that we'd like to read. It's called the Book of Lamentations. You ever been there? Um, It's written by Jeremiah. And when I say to you, Jeremiah was a, I know some of you are just itching to say bullfrog, right? That tells you how old you are. Um, you are a senior adult, if that's the case. Um, but the, the real the real thrust of the matter here is Jeremiah is a prophet of God. And he had a really pre- specific um, calling in his life that was was pretty challenging, honestly, because the northern kingdom of Israel, the ten tribes, had already totally succumbed to the armies of Babylon, and, and they were pressing hard on, on Judah, the remaining two and a half tribes, and, and they were kind of hanging in there, but his job, as given by God, was to go to his people and, and to tell them, you see what's happening to your brothers in the north? The same thing's going to happen to you right here. You're going to be hauled off into captivity, and this was a message he got to preach for several years. And I know how exciting it would be to hear that message every Sunday morning, right? We would just itch to show up at church to hear that message. Well, the result was that every other prophet contradicted him to make matters worse. They they said, hey, look, it's no problem. We're not like them. We're not going to get the same judgment upon us because we, well, you know, we're not as bad as they are. Jeremiah spent some time in the stocks. You, you remember those from old pilgrim days, you know, where you'd see the guy hanging through the holes and, and some stocks in the main square of town and, and people would go by and laugh at him and make fun of him. He was thrown down into a cistern and left there. Uh, but for a couple friends who decided in the council of the wisdom of the local uh, clergy that, uh, you know, this probably wasn't a good idea to throw the prophet of God into the cistern because chances are, uh, that would not gain God's favor so they retrieved him they brought him out. His life was focused on bad news. How's that for a living right? And yet God had him do this entire prophecy of some fifty plus chapters and then then he t- gives this small book of lamentations and you know what lament means, don't you? It means to cry, to grieve. Uh, how many of you enjoy going to funerals? I thought so, yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes they, 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 there's some nugget that we can pull at those points. My job largely consists of a lot of those. I think I did over 40 last year. And it can get me overwhelming after, after a period of time, especially when you've been around for 15 years years with this particular congregation like I have, and you know the people well. And uh, Jeremiah is lamenting the whole situation of his world, how it's falling apart. Economy, there was no economy. <laughs> Friendships, they were being hauled off to Babylon. Family, they are gone. There was nothing left. Not even the temple was left anybody of value and worth had been hauled off and was being hauled off into captivity. There was a lot of reason to grieve. There was a lot of reason to lament. But in the midst of it, he provides for us a nugget that is an incredible truth. Thomas Ch- Chisholm uh, was a young young fellow that was born in a, about the time of the Civil War, a long time ago. Uh, he had very poor health. He, uh, through most of his life, struggled to keep a job just because of his poor health, and as a result, uh, resorted to, to writing a lot of poetry. In fact, uh, over five hundred poems were written by him during those years, and uh, one of those poems came into the the hands of a man who worked for D. L. Moody, who was the past—I mean, Henry Ironside, who was the pastor of Moody Church. In Chicago, Illinois, and he's read this poem and he said, you need to send that and, and take that and set it to music. So his musicians put it to music and uh, they created a hymn. And that hymn has, has been blessed and has blessed many, many people over the years. It's the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. But it came out of his pain. It came out of the situations of his life that were not circumstances that were welcoming in fact it was sung for the for the first time really made popular by by a man by the name of George Beverly Shea uh, singing at the London uh, Billy Graham crusade and has been a part of that ministry ever since and a part of our our church hymn since that point great is thy faithfulness you see Jeremiah was the one who gave us that phrase Jeremiah was the one who created that that truth in the midst of his pain in the midst of his totally overwhelming circumstances that allows us to come in and, and grab hold of some precious truths that give us a foundation that give us some walls to build and to, to buttress our faith in the process and they're all found in this little book of lamentations I want to kind of set the scene for you I, I've kind of said where he was at but uh, listen to his voice. This, this is not on a slide. You're not going to see it up here. Because I want your full attention to be with, with what you hear right now. Uh, th- this guy was in a bad place. And I know you've never been there, never struggled, never had a hard moment in your life. But just in case you get there sometime, uh, just kind of slip back here with Jeremiah, okay? He says, I has, he, he has made my flesh and my skin waste away, He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones and he has made my paths crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He made me desolate, he bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrows. He drove, me, drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver, and I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has stated, sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace, and I've forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished so I has my hope from the Lord. Anybody here depressed now? (laughs) Pretty tough place, isn't it? Who's he talking about? He's talking about God. This is where he was in his relationship with God in this moment in the midst of all the chaos and the turmoil and the upheaval of his life. But then this takes a little turn, a, a transition, if you will. He says in verse 19 Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Now, my memory is, is a little less sharp than it used to be, okay? I, I've tried to pack 69 plus years into into this skull of mine and sometimes I remember things differently than my wife and I know some of you guys experienced that much earlier, okay? Uh, we don't have the same perspective on our history. And, and yet here he says, it's memory, it's memory that gives me hope. When I remember when I call to mind what God has done, when I, when I look back on, on the past, I, I, I don't know about you, but you know, with, with the economy and, and the situations around our country and the world these days, my heart can get in a place of turmoil if I listen to too much news. I really can. I, um, s- a couple of years ago, sitting at the Thanksgiving table, and my wife will attest to this, so I have to give my son a quarter for what I'm about to say. But uh, if if I quote one of my kids, they get rich. Um, but we went around the table, and instead of saying what we were thankful for, I said, why don't you share the most inspiring quote you've ever heard? And so they shared some pretty neat stuff as we went around the table. I have seven kids, so there's a lot of variety in there, and and we got to my youngest child, who is now twenty-seven. And um, Aaron sat there in quietness f- f- through all the other older kids saying what they wanted to say and their spouses. And and finally, we came to Aaron, and and Aaron just kind of looked up and says, "Well, uh, mine is um, don't be stupid." And the reaction of his brothers and sisters was the same as what your reaction was. Don't be stupid. Pretty simple advice, isn't it? I mean, if we just make the right choices, if we do the right things, then, then, then we're going to save ourselves a lot of trouble along the way, and it's not bad advice. Don't be stupid. And, and I think at this point, Jeremiah is, is lamenting and lamenting and lamenting, and his lamenting is getting him further and further and deeper and deeper in the well, and, and there, was, there was no place for him to go till all of a sudden he draws on that memory. When you're in, in the midst of turmoil, where do you go? What is that well you go to, to, to buttress faith? Well, let's see what Jeremiah did. Beginning in verse 22 of chapter 3 of Lamentations. First of all, he says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. King James will says Because of his great love, we are not consumed. You ever feel overwhelmed, consumed by life? And, and you just, you know, you've had it. You're at the end of your rope. And the rope's about ready to break. He says, the one thing you can go to in that moment is the steadfast love of the Lord. The, the word there is hesed. It's, it's a Hebrew word that, that literally means his covenant love for us. It's an act of his will. It's something he has given us. It's his connection to us that he does not change. His love will remain the same. My favorite, one of my favorite passages is Romans chapter 8 where the Apostle Paul gives us this whole rundown of all the things that can separate us from the love of God. And then he wraps it up by saying, nor anything else in all creation. Just in case I left something out, I want you to know there is absolutely nothing that can separate you from God's love. Nothing. Say that with me. Nothing. One more time. Nothing. we will try it again. Nothing, not one thing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. You ever doubt that? Look to Calvary. His love will protect you from being consumed, His love is steadfast. And it never ceases. Never. It keeps running after. <laughs> running after. Running after me. The second thing he rolls to is, he says his mercies never come to an end. His mercies never, say it with me, never, never, one more time, Thank you. They never come to an end. There is no time in your life, no circumstance in your life, no situation in your life where God's mercy is still not reaching to you. He declares that His mercies never come to an end. Some time ago, when I was much younger in ministry, Uh, I was given this definition of justice, mercy, and grace, that justice is getting what we do deserve. (laughs) And if we got what we deserve, we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? Seriously. But God's mercies never come to an end, and His mercies means we don't get what we deserve. Why? Because of what He has done for us. He's taken the penalty for sin. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all done our share of wandering and moving away from the purposes and intents of God in our lives. And he's telling us in those moments, we're not going to get what we deserve. We're going to get more than we deserve, better than we deserve. His mercies will never come to an end. Amen? Amen. That puts me in a different place. And Jeremiah sitting here in the midst of all of his turmoil in the midst of all of this total unrest and upheaval in his life can say God's love never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Wow, there's there's two good pillars to move your faith to, right? Ah, But he's got one more. He says they are new every day morning new every morning now i, I i'm kind of reached that age where i like to uh sleep in in the morning I, I don't know if you all have that tendency in our household it's it's a it's a real kind of juggernaut. my wife is a 5:30 riser regardless and uh when i see 7:30 i look at it and say oh, maybe You know, she's sound asleep on the couch at nine o'clock and I'm still reading a book or watching something on TV or, you know, studying or doing something in my office till 11, 1130. We're just not on the same time schedule. okay? But this one thing I know that every morning when I wake up, I don't have to count on yesterday's mercies to deal with today's problems. I know that whatever I face this day, God's mercies are new and fresh and they are sufficient to meet the need of that day. Are you assured of that? Is that settled in your heart, in your mind? Do you know that every day God sees you as you wake up and says, it's a new day, let's go. My mercy is sufficient for you in this day, in this moment, for whatever you face, for whatever you do. And just in case we haven't got enough to bolster faith in the midst of chaos, he throws in this incredible phrase, great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Thomas Jism, who I mentioned a, a while ago, Uh, wrote these words kind of late in life. He said, My income has not been large at any time due to impaired health in the earlier years which has followed me until now. And although I must not fail to record here the unfailing faithfulness of of a covenant-keeping God and that he has given me many wonderful displays of his providing care for which I am filled with astonishing gratefulness. I love that phrase. Astonishing gratefulness. Is your heart filled with astonishing gratefulness this morning? Do you need something to fall back to to discover that astonishing gratefulness in your heart? All you have to do is look back. Remember the love of God That is never going to cease. Embrace it. The fact that his mercies will never come to an end and they're new every morning. Let it ignite hope within your heart. And when all is said and done, recall his faithfulness to you. Even in your lack of faithfulness to him, scripture tells us he will remain faithful and great is his faithfulness. Let that inspire faith for you. I read a comment by C.S. Lewis the other day that that just kind of hit home to me. In fact, this morning is when it just kind of took a different turn for me. Um, Because I've kind of been wrestling through a, a lot of negative thoughts and things with respect to situations that I'm encountering and dealing with in life. And the quote goes like this. I'd like to share one more word from C.S. Lewis. He who has God has man, and many other things has no more than he who has God alone. Most of us have many other things. We have money and security and friends and family but do you also have God in your life? If you do, then the many other things don't matter one way or the other. If you have God, and if you know Jesus Christ, you have enough, because our God is faithful. Our God is faithful, and he is enough. Amen. God um, how foolish it seems for us at times to, to worry to vex over situations which we have no control over when we feel like we are in the midst of chaos and we've heard the bad news or we've heard the threats or the concerns of others that weigh heavy on our hearts Lord you alone are our resource or the one we go to you, O oh Lord, are the one whose love never ceases, whose mercies never come to an end, whose mercies are new every morning. And we would stop and pause today and remember that great is your faithfulness to us, to your promises, to your word, made sure through the sacrifice of your Son, the Lord Jesus, for us. Help us this morning not to get swallowed up in in the circumstance, but to firmly set our feet and our hearts and our minds on you and who you are more than enough for this moment. Help us to trust in you and you alone. And be grateful for all the other things that, God, you you just richly bless us with over and over and over again. But help us not to forget those foundational truths of who you are that set us in a place of stability in the midst of chaos so that we can give thanks in every circumstance. For it's in Christ Jesus' name we pray.